Hey friends, it's Eric here. Thanks for listening to the Building Us podcast. Hey, I want to invite you to follow me on my new show, Stuff About Money They Didn't Teach You in School, where I take a deeper dive into money and financial topics. You can find it wherever you listen to your podcast, Stuff About Money They Didn't Teach You in School. I hope to see you there. Yeah, some people might have some jacked up scorecards. Find someone who you have a lot of confidence in, that you have trust in, and you think that they can give you some wisdom and run your scorecard. I'm doing air quotes here, scorecard. Run your scorecard by them. How are you measuring success? And this isn't necessarily measuring success based off of their values, but it's having someone give some input into how you're measuring success and you might be off on something. Welcome back to the Building Us Podcast. I am Eric Garcia, Certified Financial Planner. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Matt Morris, Couples Counselor. Matt, how are you? Man, I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you. And um, looking forward to this conversation today. It's going to be a good one. So one thing that Matt and I do is we, we both we both read we read different sources, and we often will share with each other interesting articles or things that we thought that were um Intriguing in some way, shape, or form. And I stumbled across this article uh, recently from Inc. Magazine or Inc.com on three things or three decisions in life that separate those who succeed from those who fail. And it was drawing off of wisdom from Warren Buffett. Now, for those of you who don't know Warren Buffett, Warren Buffett may be one of like the richest people in the world. He's got a lot of money made his money by investing, but a lot of business people look to Warren Buffett, just kind of his little quips of wisdom. He's been, um, you know, he's one of those guys who has a lot of money, but, you know, I think still lives in the same house that he bought 30, 40 years ago, still drives like a a modest car. He's not as faddish as some of the kajillionaires that are, that are on the planet right now that are doing really cool, crazy stuff. But he's kind of old school, old wisdom. Old school. school. In fact, when I was in business school, I took a class in investments and there was a book that we read, I think it was called like investment gurus or something. And, And kind of one of the, the oracles, you know, Warren Buffett's called the Oracle of Omaha, right? But one of the, one of the, the old school gurus in the investment world is a guy named Benjamin Graham. And Benjamin Graham is called the the father of value investing. And value investing or value investors are looking to buy um, investments that are underpriced typically based mm-hmm. off of what they're really worth. We're looking for things that, that we can get at a value, right? That are kind of on sale, if, if you will. Right. Unlike what we see today, a lot of speculative investments, we're paying a lot more for something that really doesn't have value. Yeah. Value investors are looking for things that have um long-term value and and right now you can get them at a, at a good price at a good discount that's kind of that's kind of benjamin graham's theory of investing and warren buffett was one of his students so warren okay. buffett kind of came up through this idea of of value investing in fact warren buffett would always say whenever he would buy a company he would he would assume that the company would shut its door for five years that he wasn't really looking to make a bunch of profit immediately so this is long term approach to building wealth. So that's kind of what, what Warren Buffett's all about. So he's not uh, super, super flashy. 
But before we talk about this article, I want to share a uh, revelation that I had one day. Oh, okay. Okay. It's insight. Insight according to Eric. You've played golf with me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I am not the best golfer. You know, people find, oh, you're a financial advisor and you're not good at golf. It just seems like a disconnect. No, I like to go out and like to have fun. And one day I was thinking like, how can I get better at golf? I don't have enough time to really put in and to, 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 to get better at hitting longer or becoming more accurate. And it occurred to me, if I can go out and have less bad shots than I did the time before, that I'll have a better score. I don't necessarily have to hit better shots. I just need less bad shots. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, okay, I don't have to take a lot of risk in my golf game. I just need a, I just I just need to have less bad shots. Yeah, and I'll have a better score. Avoid and mistakes. as I read this article, it reminded me of that because one of the things that he said, kind of before he gets into to those three things or those three decisions, he said that you you only have to do a very few things right in your life so long as you don't do too many things wrong. Yep. So he's talking about to be successful, just do less stupid things, do less wrong things. What what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that is um, brilliant. I think that actually I spend a lot of time in therapy talking with people about what what they're doing that doesn't work. Uh, And and there's a whole school of, of therapy that's built around the idea that if you can just stop doing what's not working, you'll you'll naturally figure out what works. You're, we're 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 kind of naturally bent towards growth and health, and so if we can just stop doing what's not working. So parents, for instance, if I'm talking to parents and they're telling me a story about a bedtime routine, I'm listening to what they're doing that I know is not working. And then if we can just block that somehow, if we can just get them to stop doing that thing then yeah, uh, many times uh, uh, some kind of solution will reveal itself. And kind of going back to your golf story, yeah, if we can just in some way hit fewer bad shots or make fewer mistakes, the good will come. Yeah, he said that it's not necessary to do extraordinary things to get extraordinary results. Mm. Singles, you know, singles in baseball score a lot of runs. Home runs yeah. score a lot of runs too, but single, just, you know, bread and butter, hit the ball, run to the base. Yep. If you can just do yeah. that over and over and over again, you'll be okay. And, and very, I think yeah. Go ahead. for like, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of in the age of, of you mentioned speculative investment and like moonshots, you know, if I can just figure out one moonshot, that's not Warren Buffett's idea at all. It's slow, steady regular everyday grinding investing yeah and i i think that like for our you know our mantra of invest in your relationships it's it's often just daily 15 minute check-ins regular being present being attentive yep nothing sexy just just it's it's daily habits Mm -hmm. that you practice over and over and over again and you're just intentional and purposeful and determined, right? Yep. We've done we've done several episodes on on habit building, and um, I think that 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 kind of encompasses yeah. encapsulates what uh, Buffett is and is if it's saying not, here. If it's not, not working, my, change change something, change it. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'll often tell people that sometimes my job as a uh, financial planner, financial advisor is to stand between them and a stupid decision that they're going to make with money. Yeah. No, I, I obviously will couch it, maybe present it a little bit different than that, but, but that's really what it comes down to is yeah. again, if you can make less but poor decisions with your money, not like you said, not more, not better decisions necessarily, just less bad ones consistently. Yeah. That's going to add up. That's going to accrue. It's going to accumulate and you have a, a good shot at being successful. So let's, let's jump into, um, these, I guess, three pieces of advice that Warren Buffett gives us that will launch us to a life of success. You ready? Yeah. What's number one? Number one, invest in yourself. Invest in yourself. Sounds a lot like what we say, invest in your relationships, but he's saying invest in yourself. Talk mm -hmm. to us about that. Well, so in reading this, and I've never met Warren Buffett, so I've never got to ask him about this, but in reading this and reading about what he said about this, he's saying that we should, we should spend time and money to improve ourselves. We should spend time and money in, in purposeful ways to, to improve ourselves. You and I both went to college. A college degree is certainly an investment in yourself, but it doesn't stop there. It hasn't stopped there for you or I. We, we continue to study and read and, and try to learn new skills and learn new, uh, abilities in our field and outside of our field. You've heard me talk about in the, in, in my forties. Now I'm trying to learn some new things and, and get better at do, do something new that I haven't done. So he, he's really talking about how can you spend your time and money, your resources in ways that improve you and that will lead to success. Yeah. And you mentioned college, like what's the number, the, like the, the, just in terms of like income, like people who graduate from college, I don't know, I'm sure, I'm sure we have, we have Google here at our fingertips. We could probably pull it up, but it's like, it's like a pretty significant number. Like if you just go to college, yeah, you don't college, have to, you don't have to don't spend have, like hundreds of thousands of dollars at college. Just go to college, graduate from college, graduate yeah. from college. I, I, okay, um, yeah. I don't have the number right in front of me, but, um, but for sure, for most people, a college degree is a good investment. They're not, not in every case. I mean, there's some bad degrees out there. There's some, uh, disreputable schools but a good degree from a good, you know, a university doesn't have to be top tier, doesn't have to be the best, but just a good degree from a good university has been a very sound investment for decades now. Yeah. And I know one of the things that Warren Buffett talks about investing in yourself and that he's big on is, is kind of honing your, your communication skills, your ability to present and communicate ideas. In fact, he says, he said in the video, he said, if you can't communicate, it's like winking at a girl in the dark. Nothing happens. You can have all the brain power in the world, but you have to be able to transmit it. And the transmission is communication. Yeah. Yeah. I love this. So he's specifically saying a good investment to make in yourself is to become a better communicator. And where do you learn that? How do you learn that? How do you learn to become a better communicator? Uh, that's not self-evident. Um, it may, it doesn't happen by just, uh, you know, watching Netflix all day, it, it, it takes some intentionality, maybe enrolling in a class, maybe, uh, finding an online course. Um, there are, you know, he, he has some specific advice about it, but, um, you know, try to, try to talk to people, be a storyteller. Also listen to people, be, develop your listening skills, really get attentive and present in your listening, listen for details, ask detail oriented questions, uh, help people explain themselves better and you'll, you'll become a better and better listener. 
um, watching other people speak, noticing what they do well, and even uh, recording yourself. This is something that we do, you know, you and I are doing right now. We're recording ourselves. We can go back and listen to ourselves speak. Uh, but in, in the training to become a therapist, I don't know if you know this or not, Eric, but most early, you know, training therapy sessions are recorded and my students will have to watch themselves both in individual supervision and in group supervision. And so they have to watch themselves do therapy. And it, it's, you know, it's terrifying at first for most, for most students. It's a little bit painful, but after a few hours of doing it, you get used to it. And it, it just becomes part of the learning process of let me see myself do this thing. Let me listen to myself. Did that come across like I wanted it to? And, and, you know, I think over the years, just doing therapy day in and day out, I've become a better communicator. I think I'm a better listener. Um, yeah. So invest in your ability to write and speak well. When I was at, uh, when I was at Tulane, there was, I think it was a marketing communications class. And one of the, one of the big projects was we had to create a, a business and come up with a marketing plan. And then we had to present it to our class and we had to record it. And then we had to make comments on our recording. Like, what did we do well? What did we do poor? And man, that was so absolutely painful. It's the first time I ever recorded. I mean, back then it wasn't easy to record yourself, right? There wasn't yeah. video cameras just everywhere, but it was, it was painful, man. I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm just, I pace, I was rocking. I'm like, oh my, yeah. I'm making myself dizzy. Yeah. And I've seen you give many, many talks or speeches or presentations now, and you're a great communicator. So you, you have learned a lot of skills in, in communicating well. Well, I know what I do poorly and I like to move a lot. So I try to be intentional with my movements. Not like I, I channel that, that, oh, that kind of that nervous energy, but that, yeah. what was that? So he, you're, you're, you're moving to emphasize a point or yeah. something rather than just like anxious moving. So he, he's talking about um, invest in yourself. And one way to invest in yourself is become a, a better communicator. I think that's great advice. And I think that uh, that's one way to invest in yourself, but other, you know, other ways to invest in yourself will really help you um, insulate yourself against unknowns in life and, and economic downturns and changes in the job market. If I can continue to grow and develop and, and be flexible, I can usually find success somewhere out there. Yeah, learn different technologies. I know um, as yes. the world changes, as marketing changes, as business changes, yes. if if you're not up to speed on how to collaborate on a Google Doc, you know, if you haven't yes. spent time learning that, that could that could hamper you. That could be the difference between getting a job and not getting a job. That could be the difference between being a leader in an organization versus not being a leader in the, in an organization. You you did you did something the other day where you took over uh, New Orleans mom blog, neworleansmom.com. You took over like their Instagram story for the day or something. And did you know how to do all of that a year ago? I had ago? no idea how to do that. So I leaned learned, on our friend. I leaned on our friend who's an Instagram guru and had to yeah. learn how to like use stickers and I don't <laughs> digital know. stickers. You know how digital to use stickers, like, real yeah. stickers. Yeah, yeah. So you're, you're investing in yourself by learning new skills um, you and I will, from time to time, teach other professionals how to do something new. We just offered a class in in starting your own private practice. We had people sign up for that and take that course. Um, and there, you know, as a professional, 
you probably have a requirement to invest in your your continued development. They're called continuing education hours or continuing mm-hmm. education units or something like that. And I, I just encourage people to to really use those intentionally and not to not to try to find the cheapest or the the easiest CEHs, but to find ones that will really help hone and develop your skills. You know, if I'm a couples therapist and uh, I really want to get better at some aspect of couples therapy, then it, it's better for me to spend several hundred dollars going somewhere or, or availing myself of a training that's specific to that than it is to just, uh, you know, go to the next one that's offered that may or may not have anything to do with couples therapy. Yeah. And I would say too, I would say too, like so much of that CE stuff that we have to do and, and most people in, in whatever their roles are, whether they're professionals or they work for a company, there's always some ongoing training typically that's involved. And so many people approach it so negatively like, oh, I've got this training to do. Yeah. But if we approach it like, hey, I'm bettering myself, I'm going to learn a skill that might set me apart from somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that I think that's huge. And I think like you said, pursue, if you are a professional and you do have those CEUs that are required of you, look for the things that are going to, um, that you're interested in that are actually yeah. going to be uh, interesting to you as opposed to what's the easiest and quickest way just to get this requirement out of the way to check the boxes. You know, right. last year, uh, I went and got, I'm really interested in, in behavioral finance and behavioral economics and the emotions and, and the way that we make decisions, specifically financial decisions. So I went in for my CE, I went and took a 20 plus hour long course on behavioral finance. And it was yeah. absolutely intriguing and thrilling, especially in the work that we do. It's been incredibly um, helpful and probably legitimizes to some degree what we're doing. Uh, so invest in yourself. What is the, the the second thing here that Warren Buffett says? The second uh, piece of advice that he gives that helps separate uh, success and failing is to to measure your success by your inner scorecard. Measure your success by your inner scorecard versus measuring your success by some sort of external imposed value system or measurement of success that's, that's external to you. It's, it comes from society or culture or, or the world at large. So I'm kind of hearing a little bit, uh, kind of keeping up with the Joneses as you're kind of measuring success or kind of what you, what you do based off of what somebody else as opposed to saying, Hey, no, what, what, what do I deem? successful or what do I deem, what do I value and let me judge or, 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 uh, measure yeah. my success based off of that? Yeah. I, I think firstly measure your success that it's okay to have some sort of measurement, pay attention to something that lets you know if you're succeeding or not, just make that, you know, and his advice is make that your own your own determine, make your own determination about what that success is. What is that inner scorecard? Now, you and I were talking before we started recording that uh, some of us have pretty, pretty jacked up uh, ways to measure success. So if I'm measuring my success based off of some jacked up view of what success is, but that's my right. inner scorecard, what, what about that? Yeah. So, um, that's problematic in and of it. Uh, that's also problematic. So if you're measuring your, su- your, su- your success, you're measuring your, your, su- your, su- <laughs> if you're measuring success. yourself, sorry, success. I need to go back to number one and be a better communicator. If you're measuring yourself, 
by some sort of unrealistic standard, like some kind of unachievable level or, or, uh, and, and just remember that we're talking about measuring your success and not measuring yourself. Those are kind of different things, but really finding some, some measures of success that are, are meaningful to you. I, you can remember, you know me, you, you can remember that about, you know, a decade ago, I read that book called the four hour work week. <laughs> so yeah. I could, I could adopt a standard of success that said I should only work four hours a week or I'm not a success. I mean that, that worked for somebody, somebody came up with that and, and, and found that that was successful. Um, that didn't, that wasn't successful for me. I, I couldn't just work four hours. Four a week. Hours? My boss. Well, I mean, he can work four hours a week because there were people working a hundred hours a week for him behind the scenes. Yeah. My, my, uh, boss didn't prefer that I worked four hours a week. They preferred that I worked a few more. My clients need me more than four hours a, a week. Uh, my kids need me more than four. You know, there's more work yeah. to be done than I can fit into four hours. Um, but it did help me think about my own inner scorecard of what is a, a, a livable and enjoyable work-life balance and is working 60 hours a week or 80 hours a week a good scorecard. No, not, mm-hmm. th- those aren't either. And some people really wear those as badges of honor and brag about yeah. those, those kind of things. And, a lot maybe, of people, the scorecard, maybe the scorecard isn't financial. It's not how much money am I making. Yeah. Maybe, maybe there's something else tied to it. Maybe it's, um, am I happy? Am I enjoying what I'm doing to with obviously within some, some, uh, some, uh, some level of, of balance, right? Cause we just can't all constantly pursue recreation and not work. Uh, a buddy of mine, he always says your work should be your passion or it should fund your passion. And I love that your work should mm. be your passion or, it, or it should fund your passion. So meaning like I'm passionate about helping people with money. I'm fortunate that my work aligns with my passion. Yeah. But there's other things I'm passionate. I love going to the beach and my work funds that. Yeah. And, and I love that because that's a kind of makes you think of their, your scorecard. What is my passion? What drives me? What excites me? And I think that's part of the scorecard. Yeah. I, I'm, I get a little bit tripped up on the term passion because there are passion projects that don't fund anything. Um, I, I do think about things that you're good at, though, things that uh, feel meaningful to you, things that feel um, like you really get to use your skills and you can make money off of. So so those things that are both like you're excited about, that's the passion aspect, but you're skilled at it, you're good at it, it fits in your wheelhouse and you make money, do those things and, and build your inner scorecard around those. Yeah. And I think what's important about scorecards and measuring is that it's a consistent thing. You don't just measure once. It's a consistent right. thing. You look at where, where am I now? And then you look back at it, you know, six months from now or a year from now. Mm-hmm. In fact, one of the fun things that, um, that I love doing, I keep a lot of, a lot of notes and obviously most of it's digital and, and business plans from five, six, seven years back and marketing plans from 10 years back. It's so much fun to go back and read those and just to see where I am today, to see how much progress has made. Yeah. And in, in those plans, there's there's very specific things that would be, uh, the outcome obviously is whether you were successful or not. So it's fun to, to go back and look at old 
documents of of what what I was trying to do and, and see that they've been accomplished. That's a good way to to measure success. And what, one more thing about this inner yeah. scorecard thing, and we've talked about this in the past and other episodes, but there are these scorecard goals or measures that are outcome based, and then there are scorecard goals that are process based. So having both as part of your scorecard, I think is really important. So for instance, uh, I'm a professor, you know, I'm a professor. So the, I, there's the outcome of, I get to keep my job or I, I sign a new contract or something like that. There's the outcome of, I can look at student evaluations at the end of the semester. Um, but I don't, there's not a lot of outcomes, uh, in knowing how I'm doing as a professor. Um, but some of the process, um, scorecard goals that I could add would be like, I'd like to improve. I'd like to add to my courses year after year. I'd like to continue to get training in online teaching, for instance, as I, as we've been transitioning more to, I'd like to, to continue to get training in pedagogy or teaching styles. Those are process scorecards that let me know that I'm, I'm continuing to develop as a, as a professor. Yeah. I know you and I, We've talked about this in in different different contexts, but like working out. Like my goal is just to show up at the gym. It's get, not even, it's not even work out. Show up. If I show, <laughs> if I show up, people are there going to make me work out. It's yeah. not a a speed. I mean, although I do measure certain metrics, right? Because I want to know that I'm getting better. But the the main yeah. metric that I measure myself regularly by is, hey, did I show up to the gym three times yeah. this week? And I know for yep. you, it's like don't miss a Monday. It's a process. Right. Just don't miss Monday. Go every Monday. Just right. go on Monday. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that's a, a small part of the scorecard. But yeah, put some intentionality and some thought. That I'm actually thinking about this. Like, what is my scorecard? Like, I don't I don't know. I don't know if I've got a scorecard per se. Obviously, values that drive me and guide me. But I'm curious. Can I come up with a, a score? I've got scorecards in business, but like this personal scorecard. I'm wondering yeah. if... Uh, well, that, that'd be a good... Uh conversation for us to have offline is to work on our inner scorecards for this year. Things have changed so much in our businesses over the last few years. Maybe it's time for a new scorecard. New score. And and this is, this is a good point right here. I'd ask the question about like, you know, some people might have some jacked up scorecards, find someone who you have a lot of confidence in that you have trust in. And you think that they could give you some wisdom and run your scorecard. I'm doing air quotes here, scorecard, run your scorecard by them. How are you measuring success? Um, And this isn't necessarily measuring success based off of their values, but it's having someone um, give some, some input into how you're measuring success and you might be off on something. And I know that we've had that, you know, relationship where I remember once I was lamenting to you. I'm like, man, I just, I'm not hitting my goals. And man, I I was kind of down and you're like, dude, you just need to set better goals. And it occurred make, to me like my, my scorecard was too ambitious. Right. That's, I don't, so, I don't remember exactly that conversation, but yes, if your scorecard is too ambitious and unrealistic, therefore you're going to feel crappy most yeah, of the time. You, you told me that I set bad goals. That's what you said. Those That's are bad good. goals. Bad goals. Number three. I like number three. What's number three? Number three is that pay is pay attention, pay attention to love that love love, l o v e that your life's success at the end of the day should should be accountable to love or defined by love got the the, one of the richest men in the world yep 
saying that success should be defined by love. Right. Does that make your, so your, your therapist heart full? I love it. Yeah, I love it. I mean, because he's taking a long view of this, and we've talked about this on other shows, but he's taking this long view that at the end of the day, what's going to matter to you are the people around you who value you and love you. That your, your, your bank account, how much money you made, how much money you spent is, is, is fun and enjoyable and all the experiences that you got to have are fun and enjoyable, but it, it's, it's the people around you that valued you, that esteemed you, yeah. that in, enjoyed your presence that looked forward to inviting you out to lunch or inviting you to the party that um, when you die, it wanted to attend your funeral just to honor you because you were important to their, in their life. There's, there's love in that. Yeah. He said, he says the highest measure, the highest measure of success in life comes by how many of the people you want to have love you actually do love you. Yeah. And he goes on yeah. to say is that the, the trouble with love is you can't buy it. He says you can buy sex, you can buy testimonial dinners, but the only yeah. way to get love is to be lovable. The only way That's to right. get love is to be lovable. Yeah. I mean, you can buy even companionship, but you can't buy the feeling of love, uh, which is where people value and esteem you. Um, right. And Y'all, if y'all could see Matt right now, like I'm looking at or, or on video, he's got he's got his like happy therapist face on. Like I can see, I can see that's his face when he's um, therapizing people. He's just kind of look. He's like, oh, love. Yeah. What does it mean to be lovable? Well, you, you you probably are aware that I counsel people all the time that have tons of money and wish they had a better relationship with their daughter or their son or their spouse or their dad or somebody who's no longer here, um, that it's the relationship that they wish that they could change. Yeah. And There's money a, can't fix that. It's a podcast that I really uh, enjoy listening to from time to time. I think it's called How I Built It or something along those lines. And it's entrepreneurs and how they built these startup companies. And this one particular, I forget the company, but this one particular company, guy had tons of success tons of success, but in the process of becoming successful, lost so many relationships, family mm. relationship. I think it was estranged from uh, some, some children. I think he reconciled in the end with some of those children. But I was looking at that and he was pursuing this business and it was a cool business. I, I, again, I forget exactly what it was, but sacrificed relationships and along the way probably broke a lot of, uh, was, wasn't very lovable probably along the way. Yeah. And, I, and I listened to that as a business owner. I'm like, that's, that's not my inner scorecard. I know my inner scorecard is not broken relationships, but I love how you say, uh, always seek connection with people. That's going to go on my yeah. inner score. How can I, how can I put that on a scorecard? Seek connection. How do I measure that? Yeah. Always be trying to stay connected to those people yeah. in your life. Yeah. And be conscious of those things that create disconnection. Yeah. Right. Cause if I, if I can do, if I can do less of those things that create disconnection, right. then I'll be more connected. Right. Hit, hit fewer, hit fewer bad shots. shots. Yeah. Hit, you know, do fewer things that create disconnection. I don't have to mm -hmm. get better at 
connecting per se in individual yeah. you know things but just if i do less things that create disconnection you know one of the things right. he says here is the more uh, you give away the more love you give away the more you get and I, what, what i love about this is that there is a the the emphasis is the emphasis the emphasis is say that emphasis is emphasis is on give away and then yeah get it, it's give first in in that in that way it's it is an investment and we talk about that a lot on this show that invest in your relationships and if you invest in your relationships you'll most likely they're not perfect investments but you'll most likely receive a lot of love and care and concern that will make your life full yeah one, one of the things i've i've said pretty regularly is as a financial advisor we measure net worth by dollars and cents right how much how much stuff you have and to some degree from a from a from a standpoint of financial success that's what a lot of people hire me to do help them grow their assets okay yeah so one one of the metrics we use is in fact we had a show on this is how to calculate your net worth but i've always said that what if what if net worth wasn't measured by dollars and cents or your bank account or how much stuff you accumulate but what if it was measured by the quality and the quantity of relationships that we build during our lifetime. Yeah. And if that was the case, I want to be as rich as Warren Buffett. Like I want to have the, the, a bank account full of amazing relationships in the same way he's got a bank account full of money. Yeah. Go for it, man. Go for it. And, th and there's intentionality in that, but it's, it's the intentionality in the planning. How do you do that? Give it away. Look to love, look to love first. Love people first. Meet people's needs first. One of one of um, one of my favorite proverbs is refresh. You know, he who refreshes others will be refreshed himself. Right. This idea that if I'm looking to give to someone else, I'm gonna I'm gonna be full. I'm gonna get what I need somehow, some way, some way. It's, it's gonna come back. I guess you know some people say pay it forward. Right. If you do something good for someone else, it's eventually gonna come back to you. Uh, what goes around comes around. What else? How many? Other cliches can we think of here? But he who refreshes others is refreshed himself. And I think that's what, what Warren Buffett is saying here. So I'm curious, is there anything like, so these are Warren Buffett's three things. Is there anything that you would say like, this is Matt, according to Matt, this is hmm. what you have to do to be successful. Putting you on the spot here. Yeah. Well, I think we've, we've said it already in, in several different ways. Um, and I, and I probably don't have a, a, a top one thing that I would say is the, the key to success, but one of them is certainly try to stay connected to the people in your life. Try to, try to injure your relationships less. Um, we have a, a natural need to connect. And so, uh, reconciliation and, and repair can happen if you're injuring the relationship less. And if, if you are being intentional about continuing to, to connect, um, I think your life will be full. It's good stuff, man. It's good stuff. I love this. I mean, I think it, it, it does. It hits on so much. I mean, this is this could be like the uh, this this article could be the poster child or the article for building us and everything that we're doing because it combines yeah. money, it combines love, it combines success, and how to have those things and how to do it well. I mean, this is this is pretty good stuff, man. Maybe Warren Buffett could. Maybe we can get him. Maybe we can get him on the show. Maybe he'll be a guest. We can get, I don't know. Yeah. Well, shoot, shoot for the moon, man. You know somebody who know who's met him, so we can. I don't know anyone who's met him. I might. Maybe. Yeah. I we bet could you try. Know. We could try. Anyway, y'all, thanks for listening. I think this is some important stuff, and um, I approve 
this message for sure. As always, Matt and I appreciate y'all listening. You can listen to wherever you you get your podcast. You could also find us at building-us.com. If you have show ideas or if you want to be a guest on our show because you think that you have something uh, to add to the conversation, you can find um, on our website, building-us.com, a, uh, a comment form. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to for you to submit your name as a potential guest. And remember, while you're living life out there, always be intentional and invest in your relationships. Dr. Matt Morris maintains an active private practice for couples and families in the greater New Orleans area. To learn more about his work, visit drmattmorris.com. Eric Garcia can be found online at plan-wisely.com. His branch office is located in New Orleans, Louisiana. The branch phone number is 504-218-5479. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through New Century Financial Group, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Insurance services offered through Garcia Financial Group, LLC. Entities listed are not affiliated. 